genuinely believe that as we spend the next six weeks talking about generosity, hear me, your heart is going to open up to what God wants you to do like never before. And so for the next six weeks, we are going to be talking about generosity. We're going to talk about this series called More Than Enough. See, the truth is that we can live generously because our God is generous. And when we live with this mentality and with this heart and with this, with this idea that God is generous and we can be generous because he's been generous to us, man, we live differently. And so what we do as a church is that we spend some time talking about giving. And we give, not holding back, we give open-handed. Amen? We give generously. And so we, we're going to be talking about this for the next six weeks and at the end of the six weeks, we are going to collect what we call our heart to give offering. Could you look at your neighbor and tell them heart to give? Tell them, I got a heart to give. And look at the other neighbor, the, on the, the one on the other side. Tell them, you better have a heart to give too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but, but on heart to give Sunday, what we do is that we collect our very biggest and our very best offering. How many, knew, how many know that there is power when we come together in unity? Amen? I'm not hearing you. Somebody shout amen in the house. Come on. <laughs> when, when we come together in unity, we can make a monumental impact. We could do so much more together than we could ever do apart. Amen? And so that's what we do on Hard to Give Sunday. We're, we're not just coming together we're coming together in oneness in one mind in one heart and we're giving god our very best it's been hypothesized that if everybody in china jumped from a two-feet chair that it would create a tsunami that would just wipe out the whole west coast of america and again, I don't know if that's true, but the message behind that is that when we come together and we do something together, it has a monumental impact. The Bible says that one can slay a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, if you read that verse in context, it's actually talking about the power of God in unity. He says, you can do, one can slay a thousand, and two can maybe slay two thousand. But when God is on your side, and you are one mind and one heart, you can slay Bible math, ten thousand. Come on, somebody. And so we could do much more together. And that's what Hard to Give Sunday is. It's a time that we come together and we give God our very best offering. Today, as we kick off this first installment of our series, More Than Enough, I felt like God wanted to specifically speak to you as an individual so that you can walk differently today. I think there's so many aspects of God that we can see, but I think that Paul is going to share with us a specific area that maybe we've lost sight of God in this area. Is that all right? And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And you could read this along with me. It's on the screen. And it says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was never in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret, someone shout the secret, of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Now, now many of you have read this verse that is about to come out of context. And it's the verse, I can do all things with Christ who, come on somebody. How many know, how many know that that verse can preach? Like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But do you know that in context, Paul is saying that as a power of having the ability to be content in all situations. See, sometimes wealth is not about the amount you have. Sometimes wealth is about the mentality you possess. He's like, Psh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, as, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones 
who have given me financial help. When I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. I want you to listen to this. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. And look what he says. They are a fragrant offering. A sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing. And I love that because what he's saying to us is that there's something about generosity. There is something about us trusting in God and giving generously that creates this aroma. That is ple- It's like when I walk in the front of my house and I smell the arroz con gandules that are being cooked from the kitchen. I mean, I'm not in the house, but I don't need to be in the house to smell the aroma. And I know, like, I get excited just from smelling the aroma. It doesn't mean that I'm more well-pleased with my wife because, because she's doing that. But there is something about the fragrance of arroz con gandules that brings joy to your spirit. Come on, somebody. In the same way, there, there's, there's this unique quality of generosity that raises unto God and creates this fragrance, creates an aroma that puts a smile on God's face. It's just just a beautiful thing. And it doesn't mean that he's more well-pleased with you or he's less well-pleased with you if you give or if you don't give. How many of you know that when you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are completely well-pleasing to the Father? According to the writers of the New Testament, that we are perpetually, continuously well-pleasing unto God. Because when he sees you, he sees the person of Jesus. But there's a unique thing about when we begin to walk like Jesus that God says, Ah, they trust me. Ah, they trust me. And then this verse could preach on its own. It says, In this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk to you on this topic, the fragrance of generosity. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, you smell like generosity. Look at the other neighbor. Tell them, you too. You smell like generosity. Father, help me preach this message. Speak to your people today. Lord, let our hearts be open to what it is you want to share. It is in your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Give God a praise in this house. (laughs) Hey, has anybody ever noticed that you are a little bit different in front of certain people? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I know some of you are already, like, alarmed. You're like, nah, me. I'm 100% me. Every single place that I go, I don't care who I'm in front of. This is me 100% of the time. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that there are certain people that when you are around them, they bring certain qualities out of you. Anybody know? Like, like what I mean, like, we're literally going on a dinner cruise, and I see Ruben. How many know that Amanda is the only one? That can bring that out of him, other than myself, but a man that don't know that, come on. Like, (laughs) there's some qualities that when you are around certain people, like, they bring certain qualities out of you. Like, when I'm with my brothers, oh, my goodness. When I'm with, man, man, that was a little too strong of a yes, all right? Like, Like, when I'm with my brothers, we become a bunch of jokesters, a bunch of pranksters. We start laughing. I mean, I become a a kid. Like, I even have to tell myself sometimes, Ro, you're a pastor. You you can't be saying that kind of stuff 
<laughs> because amongst my brothers, there's no joke that is out of bounds. Like, we go in, we joke on each other. We, and, and this is just one example of just when I'm among my brothers, it just brings something out of me. There's, it's a different role that's involved when I'm amongst my brothers. Another example is when my son was about six years old and Selah was about two years old. There was something about Selah's, Selah's um, uh, relationship to, to him. He was going into a dark room and I see him go grab his two-year-old sister. And I'm like, what in the world is your two-year-old sister going to do bringing you in a dark room to help you do what? He was terrified. But the moment he walked with his sister, it brought bravery out of him. Just her presence alone did something to him. I love, I love Lee sometimes because my wife would be like, yo, I was, I was scared. But because I knew Selah was with me, I knew I had to be the, the strong one. It's something about somebody's presence. I'll give you just another example. My mother, anytime we go around my mom, like anytime we roll with her, anytime we're traveling with her, can I tell you, we never have to worry about when we go out to eat, who's going to pay the bill. Like, let me tell you, like, my mom, if I'm rolling with mom, mom is like, yo, I'm taking care of the bill. I am good. Like, my mom, got, like, anytime, I don't ever have to worry about if I got money. I don't ever got to worry about if I, no, no, don't get me wrong. Even though she pays the bill, I, you know, I fake pay the, try to pay the bill. I like, I use a T-Rex arms. Like, no, mom, let me, mom, some reason it gets stuck, like, right here, you know. I just can't put This has gotten so bad that even on her birthday, we were like, mom, we're going to take you out to eat. And I was like, we're all going to treat you. And she's like, Rolando, I don't have enough money to pay for anybody. And I'm like, mom, it's your birthday. Like, we're going to take, take care of you. This got so bad. Literally, this is my mom's cash app cash tag. Can I show it to you? This is not a joke. This is literally my mom's cash tag. If you want to bless her. Send some money to not made of money. Come on, somebody. And you know what she's going to do it? She's going to bless us with it. Come on, somebody. But if I think about this a little bit more and I think about the power of someone's presence and how it can impact how I conduct myself. Something about my, my brothers. When I'm with them, I'm just a jokester. Something about Selah being next to Bishop. Something about that makes him go from being a coward to being brave. There's something about us walking around with mom that, that makes us carefree and not have to worry about who's taking care of the bill no matter where we go out to eat. If, if this is true, that there's something about someone's presence being in our lives, I have to ask the question. I have to think about this. What does, what does it mean? To know in the depths of our heart that God is with us. What does it mean to know that God is with us, that God is in us? To have this conviction in the same way that I had the conviction that mom's going to take care of the bill. Mom's going to do, do what she has to do to pay the bill. Like I'm, I know, like, what does it mean when you walk around with the conviction that God is by your side, that God will never leave you nor forsake you? I think that we would walk around different. What would it mean if we had to fill in the, black, the blank? What? When God is with me. It means, go ahead, fill in the blank. I want you to think about that. Like if God was literally by your side, how would it impact how you conduct yourself? Like I always think about this. Like when my son was, when my, my son was uh, uh, younger and, and, and Sailor was younger, like I, I always thought about this. Imagine them being worried about the rent. I'm like. Do you know who your father is? Why are you worried about what I'm in charge of? Imagine, oh my God, dad, dad, I'm scared. Why? Because I don't, I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Why are you worried about what I'm in charge of? See, I think what we do, what we do to fill in the blank, when God is with me, maybe some of us will say he's provider. Maybe some of us will say that he is faithful. Maybe some of us will say he's savior. Maybe some of us will say he is our Lord. When God is with me, I feel peace. When God is with me, I feel love. 
When God is with me, I feel courageous. When God, and I think that we can learn so much from the characters of the Bible because I think David would say something like, when God is with me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I think Moses would say something like, when God is with me, I go from being a person who stutters without him to someone that he can use as a mouthpiece for his glory. I think Joshua would say, hey, when God is with me, I can be bold, strong, and courageous. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, listen, apart from God, we are nothing. But when God is with me, I can be in the fiery furnace. And not only be in the fiery furnace, but when I come out that sucker, guess what? I'm going to come out not even smelling like smoke. Someone shout, God is with me. When God is when God is with me, when God, when I know that God is by my side, I think Peter would say something like, when God is with me, listen, man, I can walk through any storm. But I think Paul, in our text today, see, I'm supposed to say, no, hold on a second. I think Paul, that's better. I think Paul, in our text today, would reveal to us a level of God that sometimes we forget that he brings when he is with us. I think sometimes we forget what Paul wants to remind us of today. I think that if Paul were here with us today and he was preaching this message series, he would say, when God is with you, you have to understand that he will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. I think sometimes it's so easy for us to forget that when God is with us, that he fits the bill. That when God is with us, we don't have to worry about our finances. That when God is with us, we don't have to worry about the needs of tomorrow. That when God is with us, that he is a provider. That when God is with us, he is not a resource. See, oftentimes when you, what we don't understand is that we look at our job as our provider. But when you look at your job as your provider, the moment that that resource experiences limitations, so does your life. However, when you see God as your source, then you realize that your job is not your source. It is simply a resource that God has provided in your life. Is everybody following me? And so when God is your, your, your source, when God is your sustenance, when God is your provider, when, when you walk around knowing that God will provide your needs according to your glorious riches, you understand that your job is simply part of that equation. Your job is actually a resource and a provision that God has given you. See, I love this conversation of generosity because I think that in our hearts, if we were being honest, like I, I genuinely believe, listen to me, I genuinely believe wholeheartedly that we want to be generous. I think like, I think everybody in this room, especially anybody who has placed faith in Jesus, I think that we want to be generous. I think that we want to be giving. I've never met a, a child of God that's like, nah, man, I'm living for me all day, every day, forget everybody else. I think that we have this struggle internally that we want to be generous even in the moments that we can't. I think it's unsettling sometimes when we are not able to be generous. I think sometimes it kind of like, it, does, it doesn't rub us well that when, when we're in a position that we can't be generous. Like we feel uncomfortable being stingy. And here, here's why. Because when you were born again, when you placed faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside your heart. The Holy Spirit came to dwell within your soul, within your heart, mind. And so when, when God's DNA was placed on the inside of you and you were born again, how many of you know that the things that you were okay with before, you're not okay today? How many know that there were certain things that you were okay with three years ago? Come on, that's why you had to make some phone calls. I'm sorry, I don't do that no more. Oh, you changing. Oh, you acting like you different. I get it, but I got an update, and that's the Holy Spirit. And how I many you know, like, there are certain things, there are certain conversations you need to have because 
God's DNA was placed on the inside of you, which changes your desire. And so at one point you lived for self and you were okay with living for yourself. At one point you were okay with spending all the money you had on your wants, on your desires, on your goals, on your aspirations. You were okay with that. As a matter of fact, this is something that's perpetuated throughout social media. Like, go get yours. Go on the grind. Make sure you do. Make sure you, you make as much money as you can. Live for self. Focus on you and your family and no one else. You got to make sure that you take care of you. Because if you don't take care of you, ain't nobody looking out to take care Anybody know what I mean? And so often that goes against what God has done in your heart. It goes against what God is, is doing. And so in our hearts, we have this desire, we have this want to be generous. And I think sometimes what happens is it's not that we don't trust God. I think sometimes what happens is that we have a little bit of trust issues. Anybody in this room ever had... Trust issues. If you had trust issues at one point in your life, raise one hand. If you had trust issues in your life more than 10 years straight, raise two hands. If I look up trust issues in the dictionary and your face come up, comes up. <laughs> See, I think sometimes we just have trust issues. And I think the primary trust issue we may have is a trust in God. Let me explain what I mean. I know, I know that you know, I trust, I trust in God. I sing it all. I trust in God, my Savior, the one. Like, I, I know it. We sing it real good. But if we were being honest, it's, it's more like I trust, in, I trust in God. But, and that's not to judge anybody. I think that we've all been in that place. Like, because what we really want to say is like, I trust in God. But, and then we start asking questions that start with three words, how am I? I tr God, I trust you, but how, how am I going to, how am I going to pay the rent? God, I trust you. I, I really do. I really do trust you. I, I, I trust you, but you know, the math ain't mathing. These are my bills. These are my, this is my check. And guess what? Inflation went up, but my check didn't. I trust you, but how am I going to be able to? Yo no sé cómo yo voy a arreglar la boiler. Aquí se me rompió la boiler y nadie me está ayudando en este lugar. I'm not going to translate that, if you know. God, how, how am I going to invest in the plans that I have for my future? God, I want to be generous. I want to be giving. I want to give my very best, but how am I going to do this? God, I want to be faithful. I want to trust you, but how am I supposed to pay my college tuition? Fix it, Jesus, for real. God, I trust you, but how, how am I supposed to save up? Like, I'm, I'm, I, you're asking me to give this, and, and if I would have saved this, then I can have my house in about two years. Like, how am I? How am I supposed to take care of myself when no one is helping and it seems like I'm on my own? I, like, you ever been there where you're just like, you want to be generous, you want to be giving, you want to be able to bless some people, but you're also like, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm the only one. Two people, come on, somebody. You ever been at that place? Like, God, how am I? And if you ever been that, at that place, there's good news because Jesus actually addressed this. And look what he says in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Remember, I'm not preaching. I'm just talking. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or save food in barns. Watch this. Now, now, watch this. But your heavenly father feeds them. Don't you know I love Jesus because this is Jesus with, this is swag Jesus. Okay. Don't you know you are worth much more than they are? He says, listen, I want you to pay attention to my creation and look how good I take care of my creation. Don't you know you are more valuable than that? 
I want you to look at the lilies. I want you to look at the flowers. I want you to look at the birds. I want you to look at the heart. I want you to look at all of that, and I want you to pay attention to the beauty and the majesty of my creation. And when you see how valuable that creation is, I want you to also know you are much more worthy. You are much more valuable than that. Don't you know that you are much more worthy than that? Don't you know you're more important? Don't you know that you're more, in, you're more valuable? You are my child. Watch this. He says, your heavenly father. It's actually one of the first times Jesus says, your heavenly father, not my heavenly father. As if to say one of God's primary job is to take care of you. I wonder if that's how we live our life. That there's a heavenly father that takes care of us. There's a heavenly father that looks out for us. Look, he says, if God makes what grows in the field so beautiful, what do you think he will do for you? It's just grass. One day it's alive and the next day someone throws it in the fire. But God cares enough to make it beautiful. Surely he would do much more for you. Your faith is so small. You know, you know what small faith is? It's the equivalent of a faith that is connected to your strength. That's what he calls small faith. Because God can do much more with your surrender than he can do with your strength. He says, don't worry and say, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Watch this. That's what those people who don't know God are always thinking about. That's what they're thinking about. Don't worry because, here it goes again, your father in heaven knows that you need all these things. What you should want most is God's kingdom. And doing what he wants you to do. Then he will give all these other things you need. What is he saying? He says sometimes we have our eyes focused on what we need. And then it distracts us from what God wants us to do. God, how am I? How am I? You know what he says? He says, but your father in heaven. In other words, he says, let me ask you a question. Because you keep asking me, how am I? I want to ask you, do you know who I am? <sighs> Y'all missed a great time to say amen right there. I'm just saying. He, he's saying. He's saying, do you know who I am? Do you know that, that I am your provider? Do you know that I am a good father? Do you know that I give good and pleasing things? Do you know that I can supply all your needs according to my glorious riches? Do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much I value you? Look at all creation and I want to tell you that I can do much more for you than I will ever do for the rest of creation. Do you know who I am? I am the God that has a cattle on a thousand hills. I am the God that has given you the power to gain wealth. I am the God that provided a boat for Noah that gave a ram to Abraham for the sacrifice and that made a way in the middle of the Red Sea do you know who I am he says you got to know me because when you know who I am you'll know how valuable you are to me this is why he says these are the thoughts of those that don't know him that's what he's saying like and it's not that you don't know him information that word in the original language is actually talking about an intimate word. It's like, like, all due respect, Christ uncensored, you guys know me. But Lee knows me. Be because she has seen layers upon layers upon layers of who I am. God is saying, these are the thoughts that plague people that don't know me. They know about me. They've heard of me. They may have even had conversations with me, but they don't know me, know me, know me. They, they don't have this intimate relationship with me as, as one who is father. They see me as, God of, as, the, as the God of the universe, but not the God that they are my universe. Sermon bars, that was great. I didn't, I didn't, that's not even in my notes. Encourage yourself in the Lord. That was amazing, Maylene. That was am Anyway. I had to praise break. Pastor Roe, praise break. <laughs> Amen. 
Words of affirmation all day. Come on, somebody. They don't know me. And so what God does is that he gives us this invitation to trust him. When I'm talking about the fragrance of generosity, I want to give you the first ingredient. The first ingredient is when we trust in God. That's the first ingredient. And I want to spend the most time here, and then I'm just going to close with the last two ingredients. But the first ingredient is that, ingredient is that we would trust God. It's, it's more than just knowing him with head knowledge. It's, it's having an intimate relationship with him. Jesus says he is our father. He, he, he wants an intimate relationship with, with us. This is why the apostle Paul says, and the same God who takes care of me, Philippians chapter 4, will supply all your needs. Man, there is something about us making the intentional decision to trust God's direction. What I mean is that there's this beautiful thing that happens when your children trust you. See, my children know me, but they trust me. I'm teaching my 14-year-old princess who I adore and I love. And she told me that I don't use her enough on the pulpit, so I'm just throwing one... Shout out to Taylor. <laughs> I'm teaching her how to drive. But there's this beautiful thing that happens when I hear her trust my guidance. It doesn't make me love her more. But there's definitely that something that's stirred up in my heart when I see my daughter that knows me. And she's like, she's like, she's, because she doesn't know. She doesn't know how to drive. So she's actually trusting every word. And there's a beautiful thing that happens when my daughter begins to trust me unwaveringly. That she knows that her life is in my hands because I'm the one, that though she's the one behind the steering wheel, I'm the one that's giving her direction. And sometimes God will let you hold the steering wheel, not so that you can run your own course. He'll let you hold the steering wheel to see how much you're willing to trust his word. Woo! God says, yeah, you could get behind the steering wheel. I'm just trying to see if you're willing to trust my guidance, trust my direction. And Paul says, you can, man, I could trust him. He, he is the God that will supply all my needs. This is not theoretical. This is not something that he imagined. This is not something that he's just sharing as a principle. This is something that he's sharing out of conviction. You know somebody has been through, through some stuff in their life, and there's some people that you, they can't fake going through some things. How many of you know, like, it's different when you hear somebody by experience that they've gone through some things. Like, I'd rather hear from someone that has lost 150 pounds and is in top shape versus someone who's never struggled with being overweight. There's something about somebody that's been through the process. Paul is like, listen, I'm not talking in theory. I have a God that will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. He's, he's my God. My God will supply your needs. He's not, your, he's not somebody else's God. He's not my friend's God. He's my God. And my God is so good and he is so loving and he is so generous that he's going to supply your needs according to not your faithfulness, not your devotion, not your dedication. He's going to supply your needs according to his glorious riches. He's my God. I think the first ingredient to this fragrance that brings pleasure unto God is this, this trust in him. God, I trust you. God, I, I, it doesn't make sense, but I trust you. And then what happens is that, see, when I'm, when I'm driving with Selah, and now, now we've been doing this for about six months. Every weekend we go to a parking lot, and, I, and I'm trusting. I, she's trusting me. But look what happened the other day. I said, hey, we're going to go out on the road. Now listen to me. I didn't reward her. Careful, here's the second ingredient. The second ingredient, first one is that you would trust God, but the second ingredient is that God will trust you. This is powerful. Listen to me, listen to me. Paul says this. He says, 
I don't say this because I want to, I want a gift from you. He says, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Now, oftentimes we can just say God is looking to reward you. And so what happens is that when you, when you, when you do something right, then God comes and blesses you. And sometimes we can kind of spin that off the wrong way because that's not actually what's taking place. In fact, you'll find out that the reward is actually them giving more opportunity to be generous. <sighs> hey, you know what's the reward for generosity? More opportunity to be generous. And so, so Selah, because she has trusted me these last six months in my direction, I can trust her to step out into the road. Because she has remained faithful in trusting in me, now I begin to trust her. I'm not rewarding her. I know that now in the last six months we've created a bond that I know that she trusts me. So if she trusted me the way she did in the parking lot, I know she is faithful to trust me also on the road. So now I can trust her. And look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 verse 10. Because I think what happens is that we can kind of see this the wrong way that we give and so God gives back. We give to get. I think that that's the wrong mentality. The wrong mentality is that we give to get. It's like when I apologize to my wife. I say, baby, I'm so sorry. Now it's your turn. <laughs> I did something right. I expect something right in return. But that's actually not what he, what's taking place here. It's that God is trying to develop the kind of character in you that he can trust. That's why Paul says, I'm not trying to get something. See, oftentimes we think it's the church. The church is trying to get something from me. No, the, the church is not trying to get something from you. Walmart, Macy's, Amazon, they trying to get something from you. Come on, somebody. Okay? God is not trying to get something from you. He's trying to produce something in you. And what he's trying to produce in you is the character that, the character that he can trust. That's what he's trying to produce in you. Luke chapter 16, it says, whoever can be trusted with small things can also be trusted with big things. Whoever is dishonest in the little things will be dishonest in the big things too. If you cannot be trusted with worldly possessions, did you see that? You will not be trusted with the true riches. Now, again, we could read that and create the narrative in our mind that, oh, this is, if I do good, God's going to bless me. No. What's taking place is the same thing that took place with me and Selah. That because she trusted me, I know that the character in her has been developed so that I can now trust her on the road. Because she trusted me, because I was able to trust her in the little things... I'm able to, able to trust her in the, being th the big things. And so God, what he does is that he begins to give you these little things to see if you're willing to trust him in the little things. But he does that because what he's doing is developing the character in you that he can trust for what he has for you in the future. And sometimes what takes place is that we get frustrated when we're in the little things. Do you remember David, that David had to deal with the lion and he also had to deal with the bear. And sometimes we're in a situation where we're like, God, why do I keep fighting lions? Well, God, why do I keep fighting bears? And he says, oh, no, no, sweetheart. Oh, no, no, my boy. Let me tell you what's going to happen. That there's a giant that awaits you in your future. And what the, what the bear and the lion are doing are simply preparing you with the character that is needed so that you can confront the giant that I have a So God says, can I trust you with the small things? See, God knows your calling. And he knows your calling better than you know your calling. And sometimes because we can't see the full extent of what God has designed and created us for, we shortchange ourselves and we get frustrated with the lion and the bear. And God is saying, man, that one, one day that will be little things that you didn't realize were just preparing you for the big things. get frustrated with the, the small things. And God is saying, no, I have, so, like, uh, you're, 
you're frustrated because you're offended. I'm simply developing the character that I can trust when you're 10 years from now and you don't got to deal with a little offense. You got to deal with forgiving someone who backstabbed you. I'm simply developing the character. So the next time, listen, for every time you did a small little task that you may have thought at the time that it was beneath you and you were just I, just, I just know. And not that you were doing it in an arrogant way. Not that you were doing it in a cocky way. But you just knew like why, why does God have me here, over here doing pipe and drape when I'm called to be the pastor of a nation. Why does God have me here and God is saying no, I'm, I'm actually developing in you a character that I can trust. The next time someone talks about you and you stay quiet and don't defend your own testimony, God is saying listen, I'm just developing in you the character that I can trust here in the future. Why, the next time you went to Dunkin' Donuts and you only had $3 and you were savoring that caramel latte and you were singing about it all the way to Dunkin' and the moment you get to Dunkin', someone outside Dunkin' is saying, I don't got money, can you give me some? He says, I'm just preparing the character that I can trust because 10 years from now you'll have three houses and can I trust you if I say, hey, give one of your possessions to somebody else? The fragrance of generosity, it's a fragrance when, when you trust God. But it's also when God can trust you. It's when God can trust you. It's when God says, do you know my boy, Stephen? Do you know my boy, John? Like he did with Job. Do you know Job? I can trust him. I can trust him. The last ingredient as the worship team comes up, let me give you this last one. Paul says this. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. And then traveled from Macedonia. Now we skip a little over and look what it says. It says, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. Do you see the, the whole saturation of generosity that's taking place? It's this trust in God, but then it's God trusting in his people so that the mission would be expanded. But look, well, look what happens here. He mentions someone by name. He says, your gift was given to Epaphroditus. In other words, this is what constitutes a fragrance of generosity. Here's the last ingredient, is when we trust each other. Ooh. It's not just having a trust in God. It's not just God trusting in you. It's when I'm able to trust in you. It's when you're able to trust in me. And this is the hardest part sometimes because I think sometimes if the enemy can't get you to stop trusting in God and he for sure can't get, get God to stop trusting in you, what he'll do is that he'll get you to stop trusting in God's people. <laughs> and so, so what happens is, is that oftentimes the mission and the vision, yeah, we have a vision. God has given us a vision. How many believe that God has given this house a vision? Can I tell you? We trust in God. We trust in God for this vision to come to pass. And I am confident that God is trusting us. The question is, do we trust each other? See, the reason in this church we say, hey, we trust in God, but we also trust in you. Is because what it, what it means is that I can count on you and you can count on me. Hey, I can count on you. See, God is not just trusting for you to be generous. The person next to you is trusting that you would be generous. 
God is not just trusting that you'll fulfill your purpose, Pastor Marquez. Reuben is trusting that you'll fulfill your purpose. I'm not just trusting, God is not just trusting that you'll fulfill your purpose, John. Pastor Marquez is trusting that you'll fulfill your purpose. Luke, God is not just trusting that you'll walk in everything that he has for you. Matthew back there is trusting. God is saying, are you able to count on each other? Are you able to trust each other? Are you able, I don't know about you, but I need you to understand this. You can count on me. And I can count on you. And the picture of what that looks like, John, if you could help me, I'm, I'm, we started this church. need your help. No, just joking. <laughs> we started this church like this, Lisa and I. I'm good, John. By myself. God says, can I trust you? And we carry this for long enough. You know what happens? The vision gets bigger. And I need John to help me. And I say, God, I trust you. But I say, John, I trust you. John, I trust you. And you can count on me. You can count on me to carry my part. You can carry me to be the hand. And I'll trust you on being the eyes. But what happens is, is that the vision gets bigger. We need more help. And now... trust you. We trust God. God trusts us. But I can count on Lucas. And Lucas can count on me. And I can count on John. And I can, John can count on me. And watch what happens. What happens is the vision gets bigger. Woo! And God says, hey, Stephen, can I trust you? Hey, you can trust me. And I can count on you. And I can count on you. Hey, you, you can count on Stephen. And Stephen, you can count on him. And Lucas, you can count on John. And John, you can count on Lucas. And, you, and what happens is what the enemy does is that he does this. He does, hey, hey, you're carrying most of the load, bro. And I get distracted. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the vision going to stop from happening? I just stop being a part of it. I'm missing out. I'm missing out on being trusted. I'm missing out on being depended on. I'm missing out on them saying, hey, Ro, we know that we can trust you. We know that we can place our faith in you. We know that this thing won't fall because your hands are on it. Come on, somebody. We know that we can go further together that we can never go apart. We know that we don't have to carry the load by ourselves. We know that we're in this together. And if one of us falls, then we all fall. But two are strong. Three cannot be broken. We know that we can trust God. We know that God can trust us. But let me tell you, church, something happens in a church community when we can trust each other. Somebody ought to give God a praise in this place. Get up on your feet. If you're saying, I trust God, God can trust me, and I can trust you, you can count on me to fulfill my purpose. You can count on me to pastor the way God has called me to pastor. You can count on me to walk in freedom. You can count on me to walk in my calling. You can count on me to give when God calls me to give. Church, you can count. So, so, as we close out our service today, I want our prayer counselors to come to the front. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. He says, you 
It has to trust. It has to start with your trust in God. And maybe you're here, you're like, see, the reason I can never trust people if I can't trust God first. And then you might feel like you know God. And God is saying, but do you really know me? If you don't trust that I will take care of you in trusting other people. So we've already collected the offering. We're not going to collect the offering. This is a call where God is saying, do you know me? I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell my people that in every area of their finances to come to me. I will supply all their needs. And maybe you're wondering how generous is God? John 10, 10 says that he came to give you life and life in abundance. Maybe you're here wondering, yeah, but does he give me gifts? Ephesians says that he has given us every spiritual gift we will ever need. Maybe you're wondering, but will it be enough? Corinthians says, my grace is enough. Maybe you're wondering, but how much can he do? How far will he go? Ephesians chapter 3 says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, all that we could ever ask for or think. So, so if you're in this place, I want to tell you that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You have an unlimited God. That's not, it's not an about an amount. It's about a mentality. <sighs> I walk in a room wanting to give, not because I'm full of myself, but because I'm, I'm just full of God's generosity. Someone once told me, he says, I, you know, I went into the room the other day and no one shook my hand. No one said hi. No one even said, how I, was I doing? And, and I said, you know, I said, brother, that's weird. Because when I walk in the room, no matter how long I've been missing, I'm looking at people like, how can I bless her? How can I bless him? How can I go say hi to them? How can I go shake their hand? How can I make a difference in their life? You know what I tell my kids when, they were, when Bishop was going to school and Sailor was is, is in school? I say, I say, Sailor, remember that you're the light of the world, that you're here to shine in someone else's life. Don't look for someone to sh shine light on you. You are the light of the world. Look to be a blessing to someone else because you are full. You know how, G how why Jesus was generous? Because he didn't walk around empty. He walked around full. I'm full of his presence. And so maybe you're here you say, man, I, I think that this, I know that God is with me, but I just lost sight of this, this thing that God will provide. I want to pray for you today. And if you're in this place and maybe you have financial needs, I want to specifically target this area of finances and pray for you. And we're going to make a declaration. If that's you at the count of three, would you lift up your hand and come to this altar? One, two, three. Come on, run to this altar. If that's you, if you say, my... Pray for my finances. Pray for my finances. He will supply. He will supply. He will supply. Hey, don't be afraid. He will supply. 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 Yes, 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 yes. He will supply. He will supply. He will supply. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Prayer counselors, you can begin to pray. Worship team.